Hello and welcome to Green by Design. This is your host, Erica Reiner from Eco Method Interiors. And today I have with me Annette K. Stelmack, and she is the founding principal of In Spirit LLC, where she has been bringing four decades of experience in the building industry as a nationally recognized sustainable designer, leader, educator, and author. Um, so thank you, Annette, so much for being here. As I was mentioning before we were recording, um, her bio has lots more interesting things in it and accolades and awards and um, all kinds of things, but I'd rather have hear it from you instead of me just reading <laughs> it off. I want to hear about your story and all the cool stuff you've been up to. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a treat. I really appreciate it. Oh, good. So let's jump in and you can just tell me about your, your story, your journey of, first of all, how you got into sustainability and, um, you know, going green and all that. And also how you, you know, married that or got into the design and building world. And you can tell me a little bit about how those two things came together. Oh, that's great. That's a, such a great question. And I love sharing because um, it definitely was designed first and in my adult life, I should say, um, because, you know, as a young adult, you're excited to go out and forge your way. And I got a great position um, with a great firm down in Denver and um, absolutely loved it. But as I got older and had my one and only child, I, there was something missing and I couldn't quite figure out what it was. And um, I eventually did. And it was through a process of, I received an invitation um, to a conference called Environ Design. It's a conference that isn't even around anymore, but it really caught my attention. Um, and so I went to that conference the second year that they had it, decided not to go the first year just to make sure that they would actually have a second one. And they did. And at that conference, I just felt like I found my home. And I have, I have told this story so many times and every time I tell it, I still tear up because Aww. it was really like I found my home in, back into the values that I grew up with. So my parents are immigrants and um, post-World War II, they moved to Colorado individually, found themselves, you know, um, in the, the big world of Denver back then. Mm -hmm. And they, they come from. Um, they actually came from Germany and my mom's side of the family, um, they were gypsies. So they were in several, you know, uh, encampment type situations and my dad as well. Um, so it's a really cool story. Although I'm not Jewish, it's like we have a whole nother experience around that. But because they came from absolutely nothing and my dad literally came with a suitcase that was probably about like the size of of a double thick briefcase. That's how small it was when he immigrated. Um, what I realized is when I went to Environment Design and I got to hear all of these amazing speakers, um, all these you know eco entrepreneurs who were literally starting to forge the way in sustainability in a very tangible, literal way. Like lead was just first draft had just been written. Um, you know, and we had people like William McDonough and Michael Brengard and um, Bill Browning and um, Penny Bonda. Penny Bonda is the uh, grandmother of lead for interiors. I got to meet all these amazing people. And I just realized that I found myself back to my values and the values that I had grown up with my parents was, you know, where everything was reused, everything was reduced, everything was recycled. We lived, you know, we did our own gardening and we did enough so that we would have it throughout the year. And all of a sudden I was like ecstatic that I could combine the values that I'd grown up with and found my way back to as a mom 
um, with my business. So I was really excited. I actually, when I came back from the three-day conference, sat at my desk and wrote up all of my notes um, because I was so stoked and took them to the company that I was with and said, hey, I really want us to do this. And, and if we don't, you know, I'll just go off and do it on my own. Well, luckily I was with a great firm and I was the design director at the time and we did adopt sustainability. And that's when the book, first book started to be written as we were speaking on the subject matter, or I was speaking on the subject matter. We adopted five pillars of sustainability. One was to green our specifications for all the CSI divisions for interior specifications. Another was to green into our furnishings that we, you know, did research and design and selection of for our clients. Another was to green our marketing and our business development and start really reaching out to people that we aligned with. And one was to green our office. That was those those are all very doable. The last one we had to let go of because we wanted to green our block that we lived, worked on down in lower downtown Denver. And that was much more difficult because we couldn't control, obviously, all of those people. <laughs> we were a little, uh, a little you know, ambitious. Excited. Yeah, a little <laughs> ambitious, exactly. Um, so it was fabulous being, you know, in this firm where I could do the work. But then what happened was I realized I was dragging people with me. This was my dream. And although people were, you know, going to some extent, um, I then decided to look into starting the U.S. Green Building Council Colorado chapter. And so I'm a founding member of that chapter and um, always had the question, an interior designer starting the U.S. Green Building Council Colorado chapter? I'm like, well, yeah, why not? You know, because I was so passionate about this. And literally that first meeting, um, we had about 50 people that were interested in starting the chapter. It was so overwhelming to all of a sudden be with all these people who had similar aligned values and vision in the profession. And it was very diverse, architects, engineers, contractors, um, you know, finance people, and anyone in the built environment. And it was both residential and commercial. And that was really the launch off for me to start my own firm. Because once I realized that, oh my gosh, here I can be, you know, doing exactly what I want with the people that I want. Um, I waited till my son was out of college at that point and then started my own company 15 years ago, actually, in June 15th. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. So I was with um, Associates 3 for 26 years, I think, 27 years, and have had That's my own firm for 15. Yeah, that was a long run. <gasps> so I'm not a baby anymore, but I still love what I do. Oh, good. I love hearing that. Um, wow, that's an incredible story. So what was, what kind of clients did you have and what were you working on when you first started and how has that evolved? Yeah, that's a great question. So we had had a few clients that had children with severe asthma or chemical sensitivities. And we also had a few and very few in the beginning that were asking about, you know, what is eco-friendly and, and they mostly they were people that, already had adopted it in their lifestyle. And so they wanted then to adopt that in their interiors as well. Um, but for the most part, we were the ones bringing the change. Um, and so we had to, you know, first of all, really get to know our stuff and teach ourselves and learn lead and learn whatever we could that was out there around sustainability, and then start to implement that on our projects, whether we were doing a lead project or not. Because back then there, were, there, there was no lead for home, you know, mm -hmm. it was just lead. 
And, um, you know, so we would just essentially take the outline and then, you know, adopt it to what we were doing and really try and work very closely with our manufacturers to achieve the criteria um, specific to interior finishes and interior furnishings. So I've always worked on um, comprehensive design where I'm, you know, doing from the very get go, the space planning and the layouts with architects and or the client or all of us together. And then from there, moving into all the interior finish aspects and specifications around that, and then also the interior furnishings. Um, and so, like I said, it was us really driving that. And eventually we would have clients that would come to us, but really still to this day, people are still learning about mm -hmm. sustainability. I should say homeowners are learning about it. Mm -hmm. In the commercial world, you know, if you're a big developer, you're going to know about LEED because you're going to want to have buildings that attract the personnel as well as, you know, have a really high performing building. In residential, um, not so much. Um, I certainly get sought out now. Um, for clients who have chemical sensitivities. And so at least on an annual basis, I have, I would say 30% of my clients um, were addressing indoor air quality, both from um, all the air filtration and HVAC, as well as all the interior finishes, and then also the furnishings, um, at least 30% on an annual basis. So, you, and then you would know, you say the other 70% is our commercial clients? No, they're still residential clients. Ah, I do okay. primarily interior living spaces. So I do okay. work with developers. I've done projects for developers that are lead like apartment buildings or condo buildings. Mm -hmm. um, but then for the residential clients, you know, they're just looking to be smart. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in our market here in Colorado, it's all a lot about renovation because there just isn't enough housing stock. Mm -hmm. um, and so lots of renovation, working with existing properties, bringing them up to um, and exceeding, you know, building standards and really adopting as many sustainable criteria as we possibly can in those particular homes, especially through the interior finishes. Mm. Now, um, a lot of the reasons that I started this podcast was for other home pros. Um, I was getting some questions from other home pros, like, like, what is this? How are you doing this? How do I get involved? What do I need to know? So yes. maybe you could just tell us a, for those, um, people, Maybe you could tell us a little bit about just very briefly what lead is and what well is and the differences. If you like yes. one more, or recommend one more for X, Y, Z and the other one for X, Y, Z. X, Y, Z. <laughs> yeah. So um, lead stands for leadership in energy and environmental design. It was um, created by the U.S. Green Building Council. And it is a third party rating systems for buildings. So there are a variety of criteria that are set up under categories such as water efficiency, energy efficiency, um, materials and resources, indoor environmental quality or indoor air quality. And it focuses on, on all of those aspects for both the commercial industry as well as the residential industry because there's a lead for homes. Well is for human health and wellness. What's wonderful about well is it really targets first and foremost, the human health and wellness, whereas lead first targets energy and atmosphere. Very second to lead now though, because I do teach lead on behalf of the US Green Building Council, they also now have human health as second. So it's been really great to see the evolution of lead and how it has put human health second I wish it would be here, but it's yeah, here. Yeah, but is, that's kind know. of why well developed because Ex that piece exactly. was missing. There, yeah. so leads, so it's like uh, a little, little late to the game, but good job. Yeah, but yeah, exactly, good job, and um, they dovetail really nicely. 
And there are um, opportunities, like there are projects now that literally are a lead project and a well project. Um, so they dovetail really well. Um, no pun intended, or maybe pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pun intended. Um, now, how are you seeing out of pure curiosity for me, actually, no, for this will be helpful for everyone. Are you seeing much, many residential clients that are just straight up homeowners who want lead or well certification? No, right. Yeah. No. I didn't, I didn't think so. No. It's more just like, um, the credit, like you having the credential is more you what know, they're after than getting their house certified. Cause that costs money. And truthfully, um, I think for me, what it's really come down to, and for, for the, the pros that are out there, this was all about my passion you know, and it was something that was important to me as an individual and as a designer, because I feel like designers, we are responsible for the research that we do and the design and products that we present to our clients. So we are ultimately the consumer on behalf of our clients. So to be a responsible consumer as a designer was really important to me. So for me, I became self-taught, you know, became a lead AP, became a well AP. Mm -hmm. And then we were because I was presenting in the, you know, circle of sustainability, I was asked then, um, by Wiley, they approached us to write the, the first book, Sustainable Residential Interiors. And our first reaction was, well, we're not the experts. And they're like, um, well, no, actually you are. There's nobody out there doing this. <laughs> and this was back like in 2003 or 2004, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, right, right as about the time that we had, I had started the USGBC Colorado chapter. And so we kind of took a step back and I went, you know, yeah, I guess I guess this would be great to share what kind of our story and how we approach things. And then I wrote the second edition in 2012, 2013, somewhere in there. Okay. I'm going to go back to the book, but I interrupted you. Um, That's okay. You were right about to tell us about what well is and sort of oh, yes, I was. what you may or may not recommend. Yeah. So well is terrific if you are working with um, either a residential or commercial client who really is concerned about the wellness of the occupants in the space. So, you know, if you're looking to support and or encourage, advocate for wellness, I would definitely pursue the well certification because it addresses things like, you know, the quality of the water, not the quantity and how much we use, but the quality of the water, the quality of the indoor air. They also look at nutrition and mental health and they take into account, you know, the lighting, which lead does too, but in a very different way. Yes. So they're looking at the circadian rhythm and, you know, how is the light patterns in the building reflecting what the sun does so that we are healthier beings and happier in the space. Um, so it just has a lot more criteria and categories that really focus on the human health and wellness. So I think it's a fantastic program for that. And, and truthfully, you can utilize the both guidelines readily. They're available online. It's not like you need to run out and become certified per se, because I have people ask me that, you know, well, should I become a well AP or should I become a lead AP or both? I would start with just utilizing and getting familiar with the programs that are out there and then find the one that fits your niche and what the work is that you do. Um, because it really does vary, you know, between lean and well, and the clients who are asking for it, my residential clients don't ask for it. They're thrilled that I know, but they're not coming to me and knocking on my door saying, well, I've hired you because you're a lead AP or you're well AP. They're hiring me because somebody else has referred me, <laughs> you know, that's usually where, where our work is coming from. Okay. So let's go back to the book. Um, what does it cover and who is it for? 
So the uh, Sustainable Residential Interiors, the second edition, um, covers my, my eco mentors and who what I call eco entrepreneurs. So for example, um, William McDonough is in there, Janine Bedius is in there. So, so individuals who have been working in this arena within design for longer than I have and really inspired me in those early days of when I was going to Environ Design and then eventually Green Build, which is hosted by the US Green Building Council. It also has um, a slew of case studies because I, I know for me, you know, designers, we're hands-on, we're visual beings and that's where we get inspired and that's how we learn. So I felt it was really important that we have those examples in the book. Um, so there's some well projects and there's some lead projects and then there's just some great green projects or sustainable projects. It also dives into um, how do you create a healthy interior there's a that's a new chapter there's also a new chapter on um, certifications and standards both with regard to products and materials as well as um, buildings and the rating systems available to buildings and then from there we broke it down into the construction specification institute divisions of all the different categories that we specify so everything from you know plumbing to lighting to interior finishes interior furnishings um you know concrete windows and doors and all the light fixtures and you know anything you could possibly imagine interior designer might wow um, so you're listing out like what to look for with those particular yes. things like so in concrete watch out for blah 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 you're going to want to look for the so-and-so so what we did is we set it up in such a way that first it just talked about the material um, from a historical standpoint and how interior designers started to use the product. And then we talk about what are the, um, the good things you should look for in a product and what are the things to avoid and how to specify it. So we did get into a lot of details to really try and help interior designers basically use it as a how-to guide. Great. And then certifications are always great. It's always good to have a third party um, standards, uh, you know, like transparency, all that good stuff that comes with it. What are some of your um, favorite or at least like most commonly used certifications that you're looking for on your projects from a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, I've got my go-to. So um, I'm going to start with cradle to cradle. I will also look for anything that I can find um, through the Living Building Challenge and their declare listing um, or standard, whichever you want to call it. Um, also, anything with regard to indoor air quality. So I'd be looking to Green Guard. I would be looking to the California Department of Health and Education. They have a standard that I look to. CARB. Uh, CARB, well, too. And the, well, no, this is actually the CDPHE, um, and I can't remember the number that goes with it, but it's the California Department of Health and Education, and it's, it was specifically designed originally for schools, but has now translated into oh, many other products. Right. Okay. And then the, and then, then the CARB2 complaints. Yeah, that's California Air Resources Board. Yep, I used to that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> Did you really? Oh, that's awesome. In my, yeah, startup life previously. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, those are just a few of my go-tos. If I'm looking at tiles, I'm going to make sure that that tile is green squared. If I'm looking at wood, it's going to be FSC, at, if, at hopefully, not always, but that'll be my go-to. Usually is the Forest Stewardship Council for any wood type products or wood materials that we'd be acquiring. What were you going to ask? Um, I was going to say, I think you just taught me a new one. I have not um, been so familiar with Green Squared. Can you educate uh -huh. me a bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so Green Squared um, came out through it. And this is how most of the certifications come about. 
Um, usually a, um, an industry organization like, um, this was the tile industry, comes together with ANSI, the American Society of, um, American National Society of oh, Industry Standards. They come together and they develop standards around sustainability. There's performance standards that we've all had but not really probably looked at really much in detail, yeah. but they came together and created Green Squared. And so Green Squared looks at how is the tile, the tiling materials, the grout, the, you know, the mastic, the mortar, whatever else it is that you might be using, how, what different uh, criteria is being met and how sustainable is it? So a wonderful company. And I, you know, I know the company promotion, maybe not something we do, but. No, you can, the, you can go for it I if can? you want okay, to. Good. Yeah, yeah. One of the first companies who adopted essentially all the criteria that needs to be addressed under LEED was Crossville. And so if you look at a Crossville tile, you will see that many of their Crossville tiles are green squared and it's literally a big G with a, I think it has a two in it still, and then a green box. And if you see that, you know that it meets all the sustainability criteria. I'm so excited you taught us about this. Oh, I'm going to have to add it to my list. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, do. I have been independently looking at um, tile companies and looking to, you know, poking around their website and kind of like doing the Google keyword search that we, that we <laughs> yeah. do, like what is sustainable? And I have found a couple and Crossville has come up, but I have totally missed out on the certification because then that's a lot easier. It makes it so much easier. And then for. there's there's great websites that you can go to to get a short list of manufacturers. You know, so there's there's the uh, Underwriters Laboratory has one called UL Spot. Mm -hmm. um, there's Mindful Materials. If you're, mm -hmm. um, we've had yeah, them on here, yeah, yeah, they're fantastic, and they have done, like for me, who, who's the uh, the senior in the room, so to speak. It's so exciting to see how much change there has been and how um, the manufacturers have rallied around these certifications and they maybe can't always afford them and I'll throw one out here in a minute. Um, but they really understand how important this is that we're getting to a place of transparency that hopefully eventually we'll have products that um, have labels on them very much like our food does so that yeah. we can see right from the get-go, you know, okay, this meets everything it is that we're looking for on a job. I was going to say that reminds me of the wine industry. Sometimes when yes. you go into a store, they're like, okay, these guys are organic and biodynamic and wonderful. They're just a small family-owned operation. Exactly. They didn't get certified. So it's yes. like, we so got to get... For example, one of my favorites, and you're in California, right, Erica? Mm -hmm, yeah. Is uh, Fireclay. Fireclay is like yes. one of my all-time favorite That's companies. That's who I thought you were going to say yeah. um, when you said Crossville, but oh. they were the first one I found doing a great uh, green job, and they have beautiful tiles oh. to everyone out there. They're, I mean, their product is exquisite. And the, the, the other thing that I look for is social responsibility. So yeah. they're a certified B corporation, which I know that could be a whole other podcast, sure but that could. means that they're, you know being responsible on a social as well as environmental and sustainability um, platform as well. So I love them. They're, they're my go-to. Uh, those two are my two main tile companies. Yes. Now I'm going to put my professor Reiner hat on just for a quick second <laughs> and explain a little bit um, for anyone listening about why social responsibility is almost the same thing as environmental responsibility, mm -hmm. besides the whole other ethical component to treating people correctly and respectfully. Um, there is also a connection to the environment when anytime you can get like the fair trade, anytime you can get someone a fair wage or good working conditions, preferably both, um, you are helping to keep people above the poverty zone and give people 
just better opportunity in life. And anytime we Mm -hmm. can do that for any kind of community, especially women and women workers, there is a impact on the environment because people can't think about going green in a community or doing the right thing if their bellies aren't fed and there's a roof not over their head. And anytime you provide more opportunity, again, especially to women, um, population goes down. So overall, like I've said a thousand times on here before, every single thing is connected. Yep. Um, There's no like, (laughs) there's no, you know, it's not like, it's like, I can't articulate that any better than I just did. You but. did. You did great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But it's just all very connected. That's all I it is. Know. It's very connected. And, you know, one more thing that I would mention is in addition to platforms like UL Spot and Mindful Materials, if you want to dive a little deeper and do more research, um, there's a great company called Building Green, and they used yeah. to have the green spec, that, which is now turned into designer pages. So if you aren't already signed up for designer pages, I would definitely recommend doing that because, again, it'll give you a lot of options around some pre-vetting that has been done on your behalf to make our jobs a little bit more streamlined. I wonder why they didn't call it like green I know. designer pages or like I know. something to clue me in a little bit more. I, t- I couldn't agree more. I was Maybe they're trying to broaden in their umbrella and like... I think they are. And I know you can go in and, you know, they have filters for you to go through and search and such. But uh, yeah, it was, I was kind of bummed when green spec went away because that was my go-to for so long. Yeah. Um, Okay. So designer pages, note to self and to others. Um, So in your day-to-day work, a lot of like material specifying, it sounds to me like Oh, so overwhelming. Like you could just spend, because each and every product has a list of however many say ingredients and raw materials. And you are, am I right that you are looking at all of those or at least, um, cross-referencing the materials in, I don't know, a wall panel or a wall tile or whatever, um, to anything that might be in the red list or red zone, danger zone, yes. or Claire or other um, websites, et cetera. Tell us a little bit about what that work is like and how you get through it. How do you, how do you get through it? So what I recommend is set up a general spec outline for yourself. So have one for all the different categories of um, products that you research and specify for your clients. So if you're doing you know, interior finish specifications for a home, um, whether it's new construction or renovation, get that outline set up in such a way that you already have a lot of your work done, that you know the grout, you know, is going to be from this company. It's going to be hydramint mm-hmm. and it's going to be these different qualities, you know, within the hydramint plan. So the and, and that might be an ongoing process because that's how we did it in the beginning. You know, yeah. we kind of took one category at a time, paint, tile, grout, you know. And so every time you learn that, then just add that to your spec outline so that you have that to reference. Um, because the more that you can do that, the more it'll, first of all, get ingrained into your everyday thinking, but it'll also make the specifying process go more quickly and easily. Mm -hmm. Um, So having some of those guidelines and criteria set up, whether you use the lead criteria, you use, you know, the well criteria or, you know, the declare, you know, living building challenge, 
or, and I don't normally do this, but I'm going to plug my book or you use my book Heck you know, yeah. as the outline <laughs> because the book, that's what it does. That's what we intended it to do for oh, people. Oh, wonderful. Okay. So great. that it already helps you to understand it. We don't go into products because the, the, the warning I do want to give around products, because I have so many clients who come to me and say, well, can I just pay you for your pro- short list of products? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't do that either. <laughs> no, and I'm like, no, you yeah, can't. No. And let me tell you why, you know, because companies get bought, they get traded, they get sold, they get, they change their formulas and it happens constantly. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, I really will jump in and check every product every time, which is why the third-party certifications are so important. If you know that you're specifying grout and tile that is already green squared, you have so much of your work already done for you, unless you're working with a client who has chemical sensitivities and you have to look at specific perhaps ingredients that you have to avoid, then it's, you know, a whole nother level of research. But for the general, you know, public and the designers who aren't diving into that whole arena, go with third-party certifications. They make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, another great website that I will use as a resource, especially if I'm jumping into let's say products I don't often spec like insulation, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll go to, um, oh, of course it's going to escape me now. It always does. Perkins and will Perkins and will has a fabulous list. That's called the precautionary list. Uh-huh. And if you haven't used it, definitely check it out because they've already done the due diligence and they even go through, okay, PVC pipes, here's what they cause. And here are some alternatives. So great, great website that is kept up to date constantly. It is such a gift to the world of design and architecture. This episode is going to have so many great little resources in the, in the notes. Thank you so much. (laughs) You're welcome. Say that list for us one more time. Precautionary list, right? It's called the precautionary list and it's from Perkins and Will. Great. And if you go to their website, just put in precautionary list, Perkin and Will, and you'll get right to it. Okay. So I like to ask, what are your favorite three ways or top three ways that you like to go green in an interior design project. And let's say this is, um, you can choose residential commercial, but let's say for finishes and furniture. Okay. So for finishes, I always think of what are my biggest planes of finishes, surfaces, surfaces, the floors, the walls, um, you know, any of the uh, windows and indoors even, and the millwork, because those are the areas that cover the most surface. So definitely taking those three or four components into consideration is really important. If you can get to the place where I have a client right now, she and her daughter have chemical sensitivities. They wanted to put carpet in. I tried to talk her out of carpet that didn't work, but we're going to do wood on the main floor. Uh, and then they're going to do carpet in the bedrooms. And she was going to do uh, the recycled, you know, polyester. And I went, please do wool. If you do nothing else, let's find you a wool carpet. I know you're going to pay a little bit more. First of all, last longer and it will perform better. And she did. I'm thrilled that she really heard me and, and went that way. Cause that doesn't always happen. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah, that's the, that's the thing, um, that comes up a lot for me and for clients. And I'm sure other designers and green designers is, for every project and every single product, you have a range of criteria you have to meet. You have to meet their aesthetic and style. Yep. You have to meet their perhaps color palette could be separate from that. You have to meet budget their budget. And then you yep. have, and then we're kind of adding in another layer here is the green element. And so, um, 
you know, with however many criteria you have, you can try to get something that meets all of them. That's always the goal. But sometimes you have to talk to the client about a particular product, not just the project as a whole and say like, okay, um, these are the options I found that like are going to meet these criteria as closely as possible, but we might have to reorganize the priority on this particular thing. Just like you see on those, like, on those like um, reality shows where they're supposedly like buying a new home and, and the, and the client goes, I want this, 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 and this for this price. And the realtor goes, uh-huh, let me show you what you could get. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> well, and I'm so glad you brought that up because one of the things that I think is extremely important, no matter when we come onto the project, you know, as designers, sometimes we might be the first person they hire. We might be the third or fourth person that they hire, no matter at what point to ask what the goals and objectives are to really help your, your client and the team step back a little bit, because then when you get to those products where you're just not sure what you're going to do, you can pull those out and say, okay, what was the number one objective on this project? Health, then let's make sure this is a healthy product. And every, and you may have to pay a little bit more for it, but it really helps to have those goals and objectives and to write them down and to share them with the team. I found that that's always been the most effective. Um, for furniture, you know, it's kind of the same thing. It's again, what is the biggest surface area. So upholstery. Upholstery and mattresses are two of the most important and can either be support health and sustainability or can be highly toxic. Go the other way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's really important that you take those two into consideration. And then I think right behind that is if you are, for example, doing RL hard surface flooring is area rugs. And because again, they're the larger piece of that puzzle. Um, and then any case pieces. So Kind of the same philosophy. Absolutely. And I don't know if um, in this recording, it'll show up as having um, just gotten a little bit staticky, but in case you didn't hear her, she said the last thing was case goods. And so that are, is like kind of the hard furniture, the non-upholstered yeah. um, pieces in your home. Um, okay, great. That was, um, that was awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Absolutely. Um, tell us one place where we can find you and reach out to you. Um, yeah, go to my website. I've got my email on there and I also have excerpts of the book. Um, so you can at least get a taste of what that looks like. And that's, um, and www.inspirit-llc.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Annette. This Absolutely. was wonderful and it was so fun My to have pleasure. you and ha share your story and your knowledge and all that good stuff. So we so appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And we'll touch base soon. All right. Bye everybody. Have a great day.